This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. I'm really excited about our, our time, our, our new series called Divine, A Love Story. Uh, I lost, lost half the men when they heard love story, but we'll get there. Amen. All right, I want to talk to you about love stories for a moment. And I'm, we're going to go to a book that most, someone told me as a young minister said, never, ever preach out of the book of Song of Solomon. So don't ever do that. Well, I'm doing that today. Some of you went, oh Lord, here we go. All right, I'm going to help you understand Song of Solomon, I hope, in a way that you've never seen before. As a matter of fact, this didn't come from a study looking for a sermon. This actually came out of the abundance of my personal time with God over the last several weeks. And it has been so strong what I've felt from God that I, I just I felt like I needed to bring it to you. So here we are talking about love stories. Speaking of love stories, I don't know how, you, how it works in your home, but we have kind of an, a hierarchy of who gets the TV when. Okay, football season, it's mine. All right, certain other times of the day, Jordan has it. Certain, I heard a few husbands say, preach it, pastor, come on now, amen. Jordan has it, so other times Charlie has it. But on Sunday afternoons when there's no football, my wife has declared possession of our television. And I'll give you one guess what channel she wants to watch every Sunday afternoon. No, Hallmark. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like pulling teeth, you know? But she puts on these cheesy movies, and I'm always like, it's always the same thing. Two people find each other. They were made for each other. They made a mistake and lost each other, but now they're back together again. Until... One of them does something really stupid. And then they separate just to finally realize that's not that big a deal and our love is stronger. I don't care if you put it in a vineyard on a mountain in the middle of Christmas itself. <laughs> Come on. That's the way those stories go. Right there. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, sorry. So here's the deal. So if we were forced to watch it with her, one day I come in, I'm late, and I arrive late, and, and Christina is watching Hallmark, and Charlie is right beside her, and he is glued. I, you know, <laughs> we're talking about our nine-year-old. He is glued to this tube. And I came in, I, I looked at him, I said, are you watching a love story? <laughs> no, I'm not watching a love story. Because he didn't want to appear vulnerable enough to see himself. You see, to really like a movie, and I'm going somewhere spiritually, to really like a movie, you've got to be able to see yourself in the movie. All right? I mean, I, I really don't see myself in a baker who falls in love with a restaurant owner next door. I just don't see myself there. But you give me a Mel Gibson movie, and i got blood all over me. I'm there. <laughs> so a few days later, Charlie comes in, and it's her day. And he finds me watching Hallmark in Gross, and he says, you're watching a love story. And I'm like, well, kind of. You see, we're in the middle of a love story. 
And if you'll turn in your Bibles to the first chapter of Song, the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon in your King James translation, if you'll turn there, I'm going to take you not into your normal uh, uh, translation, because here's what I want you to realize in this series, that he is making us beautiful, he is making us holy, and he's going to do this by casting out fear with perfect love. You see, I didn't come to condemn you today. I came to remind you that God loves you. And every song and everything we've done today has been pointing you toward the love of God. You see, this story speaks of every lover of Jesus and what they will find when they get to know Him. We, we will see Him as our shepherd, but we're also going to be reminded of His suffering. And we're going to be reminded of one thing right in the very first passage that says about divine, this, this, this divine uh, uh, love of Christ. It means it's godlike, but it also means it, it's delightful. That's just divine. I want you to understand your relationship with God can be so amazing that it's not something to fear, but that you're like, whoa, that's good. That you can be hungry for more. And that's what I found myself in this study. It was reading through this, and I was like waiting to turn the page. You know, I've been reading the Bible like every day since I was 12 years old. I've read it cover to cover. I don't know how many, just dozens and dozens of times. And, 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 and I was so excited. As a matter of fact, I finished the translation I was doing about a week and a half ago, and, and, and I swapped to just a version of my Bible app while I'm waiting on my new translation to come in. And, and, and you know what my Bible app told me three days ago? It said, congratulations, you've read the Bible three days in a row. Would you like to share this with your friends? And I thought, no, that wouldn't be good for the pastor to share that with his friends. You see, that I want you to catch what God did in me. Because I think it can speak to you. Now let me just go ahead and tell you right now. And I know this has been the longest lead-in for a message, but I want you to get this. The Song of Solomon is probably not the smartest thing for you to get pickup lines from. All right, you're not going to understand. Look, guys, it is not going to do you any good to look at her and say, your neck is like the Tower of David. <laughs> it's probably not going to help you to look at your spouse and say, your teeth are like the ivory of many elephants. <laughs> and women, if you really want to upset your husband, look at him when he walks in and say, you turn my stomach. I mean, it's just not going to work, right? So... In order to make it a version you could understand, I'm going to go way out into one of the, I think, one of the coolest new translations. And you're not going to have this. I, I, I doubt that maybe more than two or three in this building would even have this translation. So you're really going to have to follow along in your Bibles, but pay attention to the screen as we go to verse number one of the Song of Solomon. Verse number one from the Song of Solomon reads like this. It says, the most amazing song of all by King Solomon. The greatest song that you're ever going to sing. Now, there's a lot of great songs that you can sing. There's a lot of great songs we sing at different times. Uh, there's songs that I, I sing to Christina when, I, when I'm trying to apologize. There's songs that, that different ones sing the other morning. I was having kind of a, a, a tough morning, and, and I was getting ready for school, and I didn't feel good, and I was tired. And, and I heard from the breakfast table, uh, uh, Charlie was singing this uh, song, You and me, so happy together. And I thought... Son, you can sing that song all day long. You see, songs change the feeling of our atmosphere. And what this verse is telling us is that there's a song that's being sung over you that is absolutely beautiful. There's a song that's being sung around you that's a love song that you need to learn to hear, that you need to learn to respond to, that, that you need to learn to tune into. And so that's what I want you to get today, this love song that God wants you to get. And, and so it says, the most amazing song of all by King Solomon. And we, gotta, we have to find ourselves in the story, and, and we immediately find ourselves in the very next phrase. And it says this, and it says, the Shulamite. 
No one has rejoiced in any of the three services at that statement. It's because you yet don't understand what that word even means. Because you have to understand that it says this is the most amazing love song ever. And here is the start as it comes from the Shulamite. And to understand Shulamites, you have to understand there are two words here. The, 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 the masculine sense of the word is the word for Solomon. And then when you take the feminine and combine it with the masculine, what it creates is this whole new word that says there's a lover who has been made whole by being united with the king. And then I started getting kind of excited because if there's a lover who's been made whole by being united with the king, it tells me this song is about us because I was lost, but I ran into the king of kings. And when I was united with him, he changed the song of my heart. And I started getting real fired up. And I was like, well, I'm only three lines into this thing. Is this going to be a good study, God? And it began to stir in my heart that what God's looking for is someone who's willing to unite their life with him. And he can change your song. He can change you from a who done me wrong song to you worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And then this little song that, you know, they used to make fun of when you read it when you were, t- were in junior high, it, it gets real good in the second verse right off the bat, okay? It says, what does it say? Smother me with your, what does it say here? It says, smother me with your kisses. Not one guy looked at me like, that's, that's God right there. Smother me with your kisses. But then it clarifies, not just any kiss, but your spirit kiss, divine. So kind are your caresses. I drink them in like the sweetest wine. Now I want to show you, just look here, I want you to notice. It says, smother me with your kisses, but it, then it clarifies, I want you to smother me with the kiss that is your spirit kiss divine. And that's referring to one specific moment in Scripture. It's referring to the point when God took man and formed him out of the clay. And when God took man and formed him out of this dry clay, and he's laying there, this dead being, all of a sudden, God breathes. Now we think that God goes... And then all of a sudden, no, the literal would be that God did mouth to mouth. He breathed. He breathes into the dead clay. And the Bible says that man became a living being. I want you to understand the beauty of this passage right from the start. I'm singing a song. Why? Because I found a Savior and He is mine and I am His. And I'm singing because I was dead in my sins. But He showed up and He breathed in me. And when He breathed in me, it changed who I am. And I came alive. Some of you are going, Pastor Don, I can't talk to you about a love story because I'll have to become vulnerable to celebrate a love story. That's right. That's why Charlie didn't want me to say, you're watching a love story because, no, that's not cool. I'll be vulnerable if I admit that I see myself in a love story. But you, in order to go from dead to alive, you're going to have to put yourself in the story. Am I making sense to anybody? Would you just say amen just just to make me feel better about myself? Come on. All right, so what we have here is this beautiful moment where all of a sudden he says, I need you to breathe inside of me again. I need you to make me feel alive again. And can I tell you how you're going to feel alive again in God? It's because of his word. That's what had me going page to page in a book I've read dozens and dozens of times. That's what had me studying like that because his word was breathing inside of me. And I love what it says. It says, kind are your caresses. In the original, it says oh, two words, loves or, or breasts. But what it's really saying here is a multi-plural word that is not just one facet of love, that it's a multifaceted love that I'll never reach the end of. 
So maybe you're going, well, the love of God's the love of God. No, there's the saving love of God. How many of you are thankful that he took somebody who was lost and he saved your soul and loved you enough to save you? Come on. There's not only the, the saving, but there's the keeping love of God. That when you've gone through hell itself, that he wraps himself around you and he keeps you and he holds you in his love. And there's not just that. Then there's the embracing love of God. The embracing love of God that puts his arms around you and lets you know you're not forsaken and you're not forgotten. And then there's not even just that. There's the forgiving love of God that says, even though I found you, I saved you, I've kept you, I know you still struggle, but I still love you. Wow. And then I thought, how amazing. It says that your caresses become like that of the sweetest Wine. Isn't that what it says there? It becomes like that of the sweetest wine. And what this is saying is God's lovers can become drunk with love. That God wants you to become infatuated with Him. Pastor Don, are you trying to tell me that I need... Can I just use a word that, that is deeply spiritual? I want you to get this. I want you to get this word. Pastor Don, are you telling me I need to become Twitter-pated for Christ? How many of you are old enough to know what Twitter-pated even is? Twitter painted is when you don't see what's important and you don't see what makes sense. You are so in love that you're missing obvious signs around you. And I believe that God's wanting you to become so in love with him that you start losing sight of all of the weariness and you start losing sight of all the pain and you start losing sight of all the unforgiveness that, that wants to claim that you, in your life and you get your eyes fixed on loving God. I've got a message for you. Now, you see, we need to understand that his love is not only there to make us feel good, but the word that's used here also means it will equip us to succeed. It's the love of God that gets behind you. When you feel like everybody else has abandoned you, it's the love of God that will, will build you up and push you forward and move you forward. And so there we have it. We have this God who's singing this song over us of love and all these great things. And, and it says, Your presence releases a fragrance so pleasing over and over, pouring out for your lovely name is flowing oil. No wonder the brides-to-be adore you. Draw me into your heart. Let, lead me out, for we will run away together in your cloud-filled chamber. What it's saying is, God, I want to know you in a way that nobody else knows you. And he says, good, come on, let's do that. Amen. And listen to this, though. We will remember your love as we laugh and rejoice in your celebrating your every kiss as better than wine, no wonder righteousness adores you. But then the problem comes. Remember, every love story is when two people who were created for each other find each other. Can I tell you, you God was created for you and you were created for God? And you find each other. And you start loving each other. But in every good love story, there has to be somebody that makes a mistake and enters conflict. And so here we go. Here's the conflict. It picks up in verse number five. Are you ready for this? Verse number five, it picks up. Enter the conflict. This is the, this is, uh, the Shulamite. The bride says this. It says, Jerusalem maidens. Notice it's never talking to God, but it's talking to people around her. She says, hey, hey. In this twilight darkness, I know, watch this, I'm unworthy. I don't deserve His love. Now maybe, maybe this was for the first service today, but I've got this, this sneaking suspicion that it wasn't for the first service, that it's really for all the services today. Because I've got this suspicion that most of us know God loves us, but then we really feel unworthy because we realize how bad we failed Him this week. I'm, and it's truth. 
We, we, we know he adores us. We know that he's singing over us. We know that he loves us with all this in him. But all we can think about is how we failed him. And so listen to, listen to what she says. She says, listen, everybody, I'm unworthy and, and I'm in need and he is so lovely and I'm so unclean and, and I don't feel worth it. And, and the Shulamite says, I feel it's dark and it's dry as the tents of wandering nomads. I, I, I've messed up. I know he loves me but, and I, I embrace that, but, but, but I'm not good enough for him. Maybe you don't need that, but I do. Because my sin screams at me all the time. How dare you fail? How dare you struggle? How dare you, you, you back up on that promise one more time? How dare you? And the devil wants you hearing the, the, the unworthiness. And he wants you talking with others about how bad you are and how God couldn't love you. And he wants you focused on that. But I want you to hear how the king responds, what the shepherd king, that's, that's who Christ is in this story. Are you ready for this? He doesn't look and say, you're in trouble. He doesn't look and say, look, uh, I know you're bad, but look at what he says. I want you to see this. And in, in this, this verse, watch this. He turns around and he looks and he says, this is how I see you. You're lovely. No, no, hold on. You don't understand. I'm flawed. No, you don't understand. You're beautiful. I didn't do this in the earlier services, but would you look at someone near you and just say, you're beautiful? Some of you just needed to hear that today. You're beautiful. You see, that's what he says. You scream, unworthy, unworthy, unclean. Pastor John, why are you wasting our time telling us that God loves us? Because this is not a waste of time. It's the greatest message of all, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he says, don't cry out unworthy. He said, this, listen, this is how I see you. You're beautiful. As a matter of fact, you are so beautiful. I'll tell you how pretty you are. You're like fine linen hanging in the holy place. Now don't take that one home to your spouse. You're like a pretty picture on the wall. Well, Maybe that's not so bad. You're as pretty as a picture. What he says is, you're a trophy of grace. He says, let me tell you how lovely you are. I don't see your sin. I see one that I'm hanging in the best place in the house. I, I see one that's got the best spot in the house because I'm not looking at one who failed the way that you failed. I'm looking at one who's washed in the blood. I'm looking at one who's redeemed by my grace and I love you. Then all of a sudden he, he says, hey, I see you. And, and, and you think as the Shulamite would say, thank you. But what does the Shulamite say to her friends? Please don't stare in scorn. Because of my dark and sinful ways. The original King James says that many sons have made my skin dark. This is not referring to a pigment of skin. What it's saying is this. Every day, I keep failing Him. Many days have rotated that I've struggled. Am I making sense to anybody? 
many days have come to where I said, God, if you'll forgive me today, this is the end of this. But then I woke up tomorrow and I failed him again and I failed him the next day and I failed him the next day and I failed him the next day. And, and I'm looking at you saying, please, please don't judge me. Don't, don't think I'm a hypocrite because I still struggle, because I, I still go through problems. Am I making sense to anybody this morning? Because I'm really trying to give you all I've got right this moment. I know this is not my normal sermon, but I want you to hear what the king says back. She says, I've blown it, I've blown it, and I blow it every day. I, I, I don't know what else to do. And listen to what the king says in verse number eight. I want you to see this. I love this. I love this. He says, listen. Now I got a little fired up in the last service. Some of you won't understand this. And before I realized that I said, he, he, he's not only just saying, he's like, listen, Linda, listen, listen, listen. Are you with me? Some of you are like, they'll explain it to you later. Some of you just decided where you're eating for lunch. Come on now. Amen. God's like, you're not listening to me. You're not listening. But God, I'm unworthy. I've failed you time and time and time and time and time and time again. And he says, listen. He says, I'm going to call you by name. My radiant one. Now there's one you can take home. My radiant one. If ever you lose sight of me, just follow in the footsteps where I lead my lovers. Let me translate that for you. Do what the Bible says when you don't know what else to do. If the Bible says he that stumbles gets up, the Bible says that if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. He says, look, when you feel lost because you've fallen, you are not forgotten. You are not forsaken. Just start following me again. And he said, look, come with your burdens and cares. Come to the place near the sanctuary of my shepherds. Come to my house where this one starts singing out a love song and that one starts singing out a love song. And before long, you're not hearing the negatives. You're hearing the good. You're hearing that his reckless love chases me, that there's no mountain that he won't go over. There's no wall that he won't kick down. You're not hearing you're falling. You're hearing that you are worthy of the king who chases you. And he says, there, there you'll find me. Now, verse number nine, I'd like to tell you is deeply spiritual, and it really is. But it's one of those verses that even in this cool of a translation, let's go there. Verse number nine, it's one of those verses that's kind of, I'd advise you not to use this one at home. My dearest ones, I mean, that's okay. Let me tell you how I see you. Could you imagine this? Let me, look at your spouse and say, let me tell you how I see you. To gaze upon you is like looking at one of Pharaoh's finest horses. Guys, do not look at your wife and say, yeah, there's just you look like a horse today. <laughs> She's gonna say, you're going to be reminding me of that one guy who's like, you know, two black eyes and said he made a mistake and said the same thing twice. Come on now, amen. It says, you are the finest Pharaoh's horses, but I want you to see what's really being said here. A strong regal steed pulling his royal chariot. Hold on. You have to look deep. <laughs> Real deep. <laughs> Here's what it says. He says, my dearest one, what I see you is not just the beauty of who you are because I, mean, I have a little horse that I love to watch run around. It's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. When its muscles are all moving in that, that gallop. It's just gorgeous. I love to just sit and watch it run around our pasture. But that's not, he says, no, you're beautiful. 
He said, but the moment here, the reason you're beautiful is because you're, you're attached to the work of the King. And because you're attached to the work of the King, you're worthy. You were chosen worthy to be united and of service to the King. You see, He's not reminding you of all your great failures. He's telling you, I chose you. And you are now connected to a purpose from the King. I thought, how, how powerful. He says, your, your tender cheeks are aglow. That, one, that one's okay. Your earrings and gem-laden necklaces set them ablaze. And I thought, that's pretty awesome. He says, look, all the stuff we put on you, the robe of righteousness and all that's great, but you're the one that's beautiful. And then I love what he says here. We will enhance your beauty. This is speaking of the Godhead. That it's not just one pulling for you, but the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, are pulling for you as one. We're going to encircle you with our golden reins of love. And I want you to watch this. For you will be marked with our redeeming grace. In your King James it says this, you will be inlaid with silver. Anywhere you find silver in the Bible, it's referring to grace, okay? It's referring to grace. 30 pieces of silver paid the price that would bring grace to us when they took Christ and he was betrayed by that. Anywhere you find silver in the Scripture refers to grace. So here's what it's really saying. It says, we don't look at you and see your scars as that of a pain. We look at you and see the scars as trophies of what God can do when grace meets your pain. Oh, but Pastor Don, you don't understand scars are ugly. No, I think they're beautiful because Jesus himself said, put your finger here and these marks on my hand. Put, see, his resurrected body still bore scars. We think our scars are all going to be gone, but let me just tell you, our scars become a testimony of how good God is. God has found people who didn't deserve to be loved and he loved us. He, didn't find, he found people that didn't deserve to be used and he uses us for his glory. You will be marked by redeeming grace. So the Shulamite responds, as the king surrounded me, the sweet fragrance of my praise perfume awakened the night. And that, that's a whole other sermon right there. But what, how many of you are ready to fill the air with your praise of your king? Come on now. Sing the song. Verse 13 says this. I want you to see. A sacket of what? Say that with me. A sacket of what? Myrrh is my lover. Like a tied up bundle of what? Myrrh resting where? Over my heart. Watch this. Blew my mind. He is like a bouquet of henna blossoms. Henna is a horrible, rough wood of um, thorns. Henna, plucked near the vines at the fountain of the Lamb. I will hold him and never let him go. Look at the response in the psalm. The love story starts in the beginning. We find each other. Everything's wonderful. And then we realize that I'm still not perfect yet. So I back away and I build walls. And my sin and my shame keep me further and further from God. And he shows up and says, I've got you. I love you. And, and finally the Shulamite says, okay, this is how I'm going to handle it. This is how I'm going to deal with my own weaknesses. He says, I'm going to take a thing of the myrrh that always represents the sacrifice and the henna, and I'm going to put them on my heart. And, and, and I'm going to see how beautiful it really is because the, the, the myrrh represents sacrifice and henna represents the cross. Always in Scripture, it represents the cross. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look upon the 
the cross because I'm going to start looking at all my struggles and my weaknesses and my failures and why I knew better. But instead, when I get beat up, I'm going to lift my eyes upon the beauty of the one, the, 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 the place where Jesus died for me. Instead of backing down, I'm going to step up and I'm going to say that, you know what? I trust in the work of the cross. I'm going to sing not because I'm worthy, but I will sing because he is worthy. Stand with me this morning. You know what I'm saying? Some of you may have walked in here like me and you felt dirty. You are beauty itself to me. This is God saying this to you. Your passionate eyes are like loyal, gentle doves. What he's saying is I can see the Holy Spirit of God that I breathe into you. Now, we're going to close with this story. Talking about seeing yourself in movies. There's a movie I don't recommend, but it's some of my friend's favorite movie. It's a movie that you definitely should not take your children to see. But it's a movie called Saving Private Ryan. At the end of the movie Saving Private Ryan, you have to understand what the story was about. There was a family that lost all but one of their sons had been killed in, in the war, and so they decided they would send a, a rescue mission to the front lines to retrieve the one that was still alive and, and would bring him home so that not every son of this family would have been lost. Tom Hanks plays the part of the, the officer who was sent. He, he doesn't think he should go. He doesn't think the, word, the mission is worthy, but he takes, undertakes the mission at the orders that he's given, and he goes and finds the boy after much difficulty, rescues him, and as he's bringing him back to, to safety, they are attacked, and Tom Hanks' character is mortally wounded. As he lays there dying, he looks at the young Private Ryan, and he says this statement. Earn this. Earn it. What he's saying is, I gave my life for you. Now live your life in such a way that it, it, it makes my sacrifice worthy. At the end of the movie, it's a horrible scene that ends the movie. Private Ryan is now an old man and he's standing looking at this officer's grave and he's pleading with some form of absolution to say, say, I did earn it. I tried. I failed. I, 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 my life is nothing and, and, and I failed. And, and, he, and, he, and it ends with him. He doesn't know if the sacrifice was worth it. Can I tell you that's how some of you have been living for Christ? You've been trying to earn His love. You know you're not worthy, so you're trying to earn His love. But when He hung on the cross... The last words of Christ were not earn it. The last words of Jesus were, it is finished. Can I translate that? You got it. You already have my love. You're never going to be perfect. You're never going to win every battle. But nothing... Not hell, not even heaven, nor life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons shall be able to separate you from the love that was given on the cross. Bow your heads with me this morning.
That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now. Thank you.